I will loyally admit, I grew up a huge Disney animated film fan. For real. How could I not? Being born in the 1980s, 1985, 1990s, I'm early young. That's the time that you're watching stuff like this. Kind of grew up early, early with Bambi, Pinocchio, things like that. But, 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 did the movies get way better? Shows get way better. Even read some books. Born in 1985, I was the prime age for Lion King in 92 or 93. Aladdin in 92. Little Mermaid was like 88, 89. So I was a little guy, but you know, I grew into it. There's the unsung hero, the Goofy movie in the mid 90s. I think it was like 95. That movie was awesome. Everybody sleeps on it. Toy Story. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? The list can go on forever. But it has to include Beauty and the Beast. The Candlestick is my favorite character in the movie. But Mrs. Potts, probably in my top three to five. My mother, a budding private investigator herself, watched Murder, She Wrote, what felt like every single second of the day for a thousand years, at least as a child. It was on the TV all the time. I remember kids flying on beds and bed knobs and broomsticks and a movie starring a Mrs. Claus instead of a mister. It was all because of Angela Lansbury. Academy Award winner, six Tonys, six Golden Globes, Best Actress for Murder, She Wrote in 84, 86, 89, 91. Nominated for a Grammy with the song in Beauty and the Beast. The famed celebrated actress was almost like my own grandmother, who ironically is named Angeline or Angie. Pretty close to Angela. Angela Lansbury was fantastic. Her whole career. I do not know her old stuff. I was, you know, negative years for that. But when I was alive and her as that grandma role, part of my childhood, I will never forget. She was fantastic. And on October 11th, we, we as in the world, suffered a huge loss as she passed away at the age of 96. Had to start off this show with a special rest in peace to Angela Lansbury. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The plugs, listen to us on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, and the website rss.com backslash podcasts. That's with an S. It is plural. Backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Socials, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Please review us, like us, five stars. All that awesome stuff on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, all of it. Trying to help us get the word out about Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It is always Much appreciated. Love sent right back to you. If you have any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that might be a good guest, anything under the sun, send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, a huge, huge, huge shout out to Brian Cavelli, the man behind Cavelli Productions, who did the intro and outro beat for this podcast. Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Brought to you by Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Episode 239 features two long-term staples of schools. Moving on to other adventures. Tom McGonagall and St. Bede parted ways. He had been there forever. He graduated from high school there. Girls basketball coach, athletic director, dean of admissions, all kinds of different titles. Part of everything with St. Bede. The school, Tom McGonagall, parted ways. Jeff Parsons received an offer he couldn't refuse at Fulton. So Parsons stepped down at Anawan Weathersfield as the athletic director and boys basketball coach to go to Fulton and be an admin, an administrator. This left a huge opening at Anawan Weathersfield. Step in McGonagall. So McGonagall takes over at Anawan Weathersfield as athletic director, boys basketball coach, and a health PE teacher. Everything just kind of fit into place for Tom McGonagall, Jeff Parsons, Anwan Weathersfield, and Fulton. So we spoke to both of them as the change was happening. McGonagall just started, I think it was a week. He was there a week or two, getting the feels of Anwan Weathersfield. Parsons was still there, kind of showing him the ropes. And we talked. I spoke to both of them, same time, as we were getting ready for baseball, track sectionals, all that stuff at the end of last school year. So now McGonagall's at home at N1 Weathersfield. I see his post on Twitter, loving it. And Jeff Parsons is loving it at Fulton. I see all his tweets and everything that he's doing. 
So these tenured educators, administrators, coaches, athletic directors, changing spots and pick up like they didn't even move, like nothing even changed. So that's our guests for today, McGonagall and Parsons. Always thank both of them for everything that they do, including being on this podcast. Also on this episode, we have boys soccer updates as regional championships happened. We have sectional semifinals going on today and tomorrow. Today being Tuesday, October 18th. A lot of things moving and shaking. We will give you the updates to what we have in Class 1A. Class 2A just started. We will pick them up on the next episode. Also on the next episode, we will have Week 8 football, Week 9 matches, the last games of the regular season, and talk about playoff considerations and what's going on, who's in, who's out, all that good stuff. And girls tennis started sectionals on October 14th just a couple days ago. So on this episode, we have boys soccer updates. Next episode, football, more boys soccer, and girls tennis. Everything moving and shaking. That next episode probably going to be out not more than 24 hours after this one. Doing a double whammy here in the lab, the mad lab at Edge of Your Seat podcast. Also on this show, we have a small grab bag with a few things we had to talk about nationally. And bring it back where we listen to music that you choose off the Rolling Stone magazine's top 500 albums of all time. We put up a poll, you pick which one you like the best, and we listen to it, break down the artist, break down the album, and even rank the songs that we think are good and the ones that we didn't quite care for. This one was The White Stripes, their album Elephant that came out in 2003. Had to think about that just a second. It's 2003. I almost said two. 2003 Elephant by the White Stripes. So we break that down, talk about that. It was really cool to listen to. Didn't really know much about the White Stripes, but I do now. This show is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town, the staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associate, Jason Hintz, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five years old and has been with Mendota Ford for the last two years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for seven years giving him the experience needed to help customers in every single way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. 1A Soccer Regionals underway. I love it. Great time of the year. Fall's starting to get cold, but I think it's starting to warm up. We dropped down into the 30s this week, and it's supposed to be like 70 starting, I think, Thursday or Friday moving into the weekend. So, warmer weather right around us. I like that, but hey. We're in Illinois, and it's October, about to be November. That's just the way it is. Class 1A Oregon Regional, part of the Wheaton Academy Subsectional B. In the semifinals, number 9 Byron fell to number 1 Genoa Kingston, 4-0. Oregon, the 3 seed, knocked off number 7 Winnebago, 1-0. This put Oregon and Genoa Kingston in the regional final. Unfortunately for the Hawks, Oregon lost 5-0 in the regional final. Could not get that championship. Genoa Kingston, number one seed. That would have been one heck of an upset. They tried, just couldn't do it. Unfortunately, it happens every single postseason. At the Indian Creek Regional, also part of the Wheaton subsectional B, number nine, Indian Creek fell 11-0 to Westminster Christian. At the Mantino subsectional B, the Reed-Custer Regional, 
Number three, Hersher defeated number five, Reed Custer, 4-0 in a semifinal. Hersher advanced to Saturday's regional championship and defeated number two, Beecher, 3-1 for the regional championship. Congrats to Hersher getting things done. This sets up a sectional semifinal against Chicago Christian tonight. Again, tonight being Tuesday, October 18th. Mendota subsection A, the Quincy Notre Dame Regional in a semifinal. Number four, Roanoke Benson beats number five, Macomb, 4-1. This moved Roanoke Benson into the regional final against the home team, QND. Unfortunately for Roanoke Benson, Quincy Notre Dame, a very, very powerful number one seed, and they won 6-0. The other regional in the subsection A for the Mendota sectional, Number two, Serena, defeated number eight, Sandwich, 8-0. Earlville, the number five seed, took out number three, Samanak, 3-2. This set up a regional final between number two, Serena, and number five, Earlville, and Serena just edged Earlville 2-1. This sets up a sectional semifinal in Mendota between Serena and Quincy Notre Dame, 5 p.m. Wednesday. The other subsection for Mendota, the B squad. Actually, not the B squad, just the B. Nobody's less than anybody. Didn't mean it like that. Anyway, number one, Mendota. Number four, Almond in the regional final. Mendota won 3-1 to move on to play number two, Peoria Christian in the other sectional semifinal. This one at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Whoever wins the Mendota, Peoria Christian and the Serena, Quincy Notre Dame will meet up and that will be your sectional final. Lots of stuff going on on the soccer field. Right after a soccer game or whatever sporting contest, I know I always enjoyed pizza or food, but for me, it was usually pizza. There are pizza joints in almost every village, town, or city we talk about or represent on Edge of Your Seat podcast. Deep dish, thin crust, in-between crust, meats, veggies, cheese, the works. Each of them have all the options we're used to, except Aniga Pizzeria Napolitana. The pizzeria located at 215 Jefferson Street, that's 215 Jefferson Street, in Ottawa is different than the norm. Aniga, meaning fiery in Italian, is exactly what you get as a traditional wood-fired oven Napolitan pizza is topped with their fresh in-house mozzarella and San Marzano Tomatoes. I love saying it like that just so you can taste how amazing they are. The meats taste delicious too. The veggies are fresh, petitely cut. Add in-house lemonade and drinks and other food items unlike other menus, including dessert options, and it's a dining experience unlike any other. We've only spoken about half of the event known as a night out at an exquisite establishment, the food. But what about the environment? Elegant, sleek, refined, fresh, new, If we're talking 2022 language, full of drip. That kind of defines Aniga Pizzeria Napolitana, but only you can find the right adjective to fit your experience. Aniga is open Monday, Thursday, and Friday, 4 to 9 p.m., Saturday, noon to 9 p.m., and Sunday, noon to 8, while it is closed on Tuesday and Wednesday. Call 815-324-324. 9229 for carryout, delivery, or to book a reservation. Let's hit the grab bag. I know by now this has been like two weeks, but when I originally started writing the script, I'm like, man, I got to talk about Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. Draymond fined and suspended, and he returned to practice last Thursday, so almost a week ago, after literally knocking out Jordan Poole. They had some words, came together. Jordan Poole pushes Draymond Green. Draymond Green answers back with a haymaker that knocks Poole back to the wall. He falls down. People intervene. Man, I know it's practice. And now in the age that we are, there's a video or a phone or something on everywhere. And if you punch somebody, it's going viral. Definitely if you're an NBA superstar. And definitely if you just won the NBA championship, you know how it works. TMZ lifestyle that we live, you do something wrong, people want to blow it up. 
So it doesn't even have to be wrong. Maybe he deserved the punch. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't part of it. He did get pushed. You know, he retaliated by knocking the man out. What I thought was hilarious is I seen a couple memes with <laughs> NBA 2K-like editing. And it was like NBA 2K just released the new Jordan Poole options. And it was literally a black eye and a bruise and some other things on the face. It was pretty epically hilarious. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, you shouldn't be fighting your teammates. You're trying to win another championship. What are you doing? Come on, man. I know Draymond Green's always got words for somebody, but not your own teammate. And Jordan, I know he's making Klay Thompson mad last year. And now this deal with Draymond Green, what is his deal? If he's trying to be a superstar, awesome. You're trying to, you know, show that you belong and nobody's going to walk over you. Cool. But at the same time, you're making your team fall apart by them punching you and stuff like that. And I don't know fall apart because you did just win a championship, even through all the Klay Thompson things, when you weren't giving him the ball and he's looking at you like you're an idiot, like pass me the ball. Yeah. Seen it all throughout the whole season. So I don't know what's really going on, except they got to get their act together, act like professionals because they're all great basketball players that I want to see on the court. The Bears, man, Thursday's loss was disgusting. But that is becoming the theme of Thursday Night Football. I feel like if you're put on that stage, you're bound to have the worst game of the season or the worst game for your team. And that's exactly what the Bears and the Washington Commanders did. It was disgusting. The Bears found themselves on the losing side. I don't even know how. I picked the Bears in my pick em pool and put eight confidence points on them because I felt somewhat confident. Not completely, not awful. So I put them in the halfway point. But it didn't matter. They didn't win. I didn't get the points. 12-7 loss. Justin Fields, 14 of 27 for 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and he ran for 88 yards on 12 carries with an average of 7.3 yards. You can continue talking all the smack you want to about Fields, but he's mobile and he at least put the Bears in a position to try to win this game on a couple different spots, a couple different situations. It just didn't happen. Wasn't all his fault. Dropped passes. Line got blown up. All kinds of things happening to the Bears. Was not all Fields. He did not look like a top 10 quarterback in this game, and he might not all season. It's his second year. Like, let the man breathe and play the game. Khalil Herbert, seven carries for 75 yards. David Montgomery, 15 for 65. They should have ran more. 22 carries between the two. Should have had a few more runs. They were picking up yards when they did. I don't get it. Sometimes we just stop doing what's working for us and try to switch it up, and then that doesn't work. Top wide receiver, Dante Pettis. Four catches for 84 yards and the touchdown. Darnell Mooney, seven catches for 68 yards. Tried to get a touchdown at the end. Try to break one loose. Just, just didn't happen. We've been keeping up with the MLB playoffs as always. Let's get back to the divisional round series. I know on Tuesday we've had some games and we'll get to them. I got one on in the background right now. We'll catch up first. Wednesday, the Braves and the Phillies. Braves tied up with a 3-0 win over the Phillies. Padres tied up with the Dodgers 5-3. We get to Thursday. Astros took a 2-0 lead over the Mariners with a 4-2 victory. The Yankees and the Guardians were postponed. The Yankees at that point led 1-0. Friday, we finally get that game going. Guardians beat the Yankees 4-2 to tie it 1-1. Phillies beat the Braves 9-1 to take a 2-1 lead. The Padres defeated the Dodgers to take a 2-1 lead with a 2-1 victory. Whew, all these 2-1s, 9-1, 2-1. Whew, getting all confusing. Phillies beat the Braves 9-1 for a 2-1 lead. Padres beat the Dodgers 2-1 for a 2-1 lead. Whew, got that all figured out. We saw some series end over on Saturday. Phillies knock out the Braves with the 8-3 victory as Phillies won the series 3-1. Also on Saturday, the Astros wrap their series up with the Mariners with a 1-0 win to take the series 3-0. Guardians edge the Yankees 6-5 with the Guardians take a 2-1 lead. And the Padres knocked off the Dodgers 5-3 once again for the Padres to win the series 3-1. Saturday blew my mind. 
Astros beating the Mariners in three games, not surprising. Astros, best team in baseball. Phillies knocking off the Braves. Padres knocking off the Dodgers. I did not see either one of those happening. I thought Dodgers were a lock for the World Series. Padres say, "Uh uh-uh. And Phillies are like the hottest team in baseball right now. If it's a Phillies-Astros World Series, Astros might be in trouble. Phillies are playing some great, great, great baseball. Get to Sunday. Yankees defeat the Guardians 4-2 to tie the series 2-2. On Monday, the Yankees and Guardians for their Game 5 was postponed. Moving it to Tuesday. That just happened today. I was coming back from a game officiating a couple junior high boys basketball games. And the Yankees won. They're, They're in it. They're in the AL Championship Series as they defeated the Guardians 5-1. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton both hit home runs in Game 5 to help seal it up for the Yankees in advance. Going on right now is the Phillies and the Padres, which I'm really excited about. I might watch every single pitch of this series just because it's different faces, different people, like, I'm excited to see what's going on. Like, I want to, I don't even, I'm not even picking a winner. I, I, but I got to, right? I'm a podcast host. All right, I'm going to go Phillies. Because like I said, hottest team in baseball right now. And they are up right now on the Padres 2-0 in the middle of the seventh. So we got the seventh inning stretch going on in game one of the National League Championship Series. Let me know who you're picking to win this. We got four teams left. The Phillies, the Padres the Astros, and the Yankees. Who do you think is your next World Series champion? Hey, Mendota, Amboy, Oregon, Rock Falls, Ottawa, Sterling, all the areas where you may see some different signs like surf internet. Surf's fiber internet is more reliable and 50 times faster than cable. Get one gig speed and two free Eero whole home Wi-Fi routers for only $85 a month no contracts, and free installation at a price that's locked for life. That's right. The price you pay today won't jump up each year like cable. We're expanding to more neighborhoods every day. So visit surfinternet.com to check your address or call 844-955-SURF for details. That's 844-955-SURF. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Now it's time for one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast, Bring It Back. We bring it back albums because first of all, albums isn't really a thing right now. You know, we can stream individual songs, might not even know the name of albums that artists are coming out with now. Probably don't at all, but you know their songs and you might not even know the songs because you don't even have to look at them. It's just so crazy how music works now. But albums, a whole collective of music, still very prevalent if you are a music person and you just love a certain artist or genres or you know whatever it doesn't matter an album is really cool to dive into so we've brought it back to the rolling stone magazine's top 500 albums of all time list which came out in september of 2021 originally came out in 2013 they revamped it so we've been going through pulling up polls of four albums at a time, letting you vote, and then we'll listen to the winner and break it down. So this is what we got. We had 452 with Diana Ross and the Supremes, the anthology from 1974. 451 was Roberta Flack with First Take from 1969. We had at 450, Paul and Linda McCartney with Ram from 1971. And 449 was White Stripes, Elephant, The Elephant, from 2003, White Stripes won the poll, and they did it in surprising fashion. I thought Diana Ross or Paul and Linda McCartney were going to crush it. Roberta Flack finished fourth, Paul and Linda McCartney third, and Diana Ross was probably like five or six votes behind White Stripes, and we had a lot, a lot of votes on this poll, so some musicians that people really connect with and wanted to listen to or wanted me to listen to. However you want to put it, it was awesome. So the White Stripes, let's break them down first before we get to the album. They're out of Detroit. It is Jack White and Meg White. Jack White was vocals, mandolin, guitar, and piano, while Meg White, drums, and vocals. 
They rose to worldwide attention in 2002 as part of the Garage Rock Revival. They've been putting things together and have been a band for a few years or a duo, if you want to say it that way, instead of a band, a duo, just Jack and Meg. But then in 2002, some garage-like music that was influential in the, I want to say 70s, and then again in the beginning, mid-90s. They tried to revive it again, and it it did work for a while. White Stripes are a very, very well-known duo band, and their albums are pretty amazing. I've only listened to two. Can't say the other one just in case it's on this list, but Elephant is awesome. But it took me a little bit to get into it because it's not my, you know, favorite genre, not one that I'm just going to go like, hey, I'm going to listen to garage rock music. Or in this case, White Stripes is a lot of blues. So blues rock deal. That's that's not something I'm just going to hop in my car and that's the first thing I'm going to turn on. Again, that's why I like bring it back. So you can help me, you, us, everybody, all the Edge of Your Seat podcast listeners listen to different music. The White Stripes dissolved in 2011 after six albums from 1999 to 2007. Let's meet in the middle and see what really happened between the time they started and they ended. So what they did is they melded garage rock and blues with simple, raw composition, arrangement, and performances. You've never seen Meg or Jack in any color except red, white, or black. Every single album cover, red, white, and black. If you saw a number, it was the number three. So red, white, and black, and three. That's it. That's all they saw. That's all we saw with them. That's it. That's it. They used the color scheme to distract or distance what they were. They were young. They were white. And according to Jack, they were playing black music. He's like, hey, I don't want to be thrown off with anything else. So they try to disguise it with a color scheme. The last three albums all won Grammys for Best Alternative Album. 2015, the Rolling Stone magazine named them the sixth greatest duo of all time. That's pretty impressive as well. Here is the really interesting part, for me anyway. Jack and Meg met while in high school at a restaurant called Memphis Smoke. Meg worked there, and Jack read poetry at open mic nights. They became friends, and then they were married in 1996. What's super crazy is he took her name. His real name was Jack Gillis. He said, nope, I'm going to become Jack White, and it was Jack White and Meg White. Jack played the drums with many bands while they were getting together, meeting up, doing stuff like that. Meg decided to learn in 1997, so then they become the duo. The craziest thing to me is they began pretending to be brother and sister. They didn't tell anybody that they were married or a couple. They were brother and sister. And when they were interviewed, they refused to do it separately. So they wouldn't get interviewed separately. And according to them, they were brother and sister, not married. Their first two singles, Let's Shake Hands and Lafayette Blues, were only made on vinyls and only made 1,000 copies. They were influenced by blues artists such as Sun House, Blind Willie McTeel, Robert Johnson, The Gories, The Sonics, and The Stooges. The Stooges have actually had an album on this Rolling Stone list. Didn't vote for it, but it was on the list. White Stripes have won many awards. Three-time Brit Award winners. They had six nominations. They've won six Grammys, nominated 11 times. Six MTV VMA Awards with 18 nominations. They've won a total of 19 awards and been nominated 53 times. Not too shabby for a couple that wasn't a couple. And then they did get divorced and still made music after being divorced. Yes, they got divorced, stayed together, and still made more music. Crazy. What's also crazy is what could happen to a house. The wind, the rain, snow right around the corner. I don't want to cry. But so many different things can happen to your home. On the outside, the inside, as things deteriorate. Not even on purpose, it just happens. Which means this is usually a pivotal time for those renovations, those changes. When you start noticing those things because of the cold, the ice, the snow, the gloomy days, you're looking around and you're like, man, I need a fresh coat of paint. How about some new tiling, new shingles, new drywall, new electrical outlets, new, oh man, so many things. But you don't have to worry about it. Olson Construction can help you out. A licensed and insured 
family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have the skills and over 10 years of experience each to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, and formulate renovations in any room, hallway, staircase, garage, shed, or basement. For a free estimate, call 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction 19 at gmail.com. Elephants was the White Stripes' fourth album. Came out April 1st, 2003, was 14 songs, 49 minutes and 56 seconds long. Reached number one on the UK charts and reached number six on the US Billboard charts. Had a Grammy nom for album of the year, but won the Grammy for the best alternative music album which the next two White Stripes albums did as well. Was cited as the White Stripes' best work, one of the best albums in the 2000s. So after they did make all their albums, people were saying, hey, this is the best thing that they did, was Elephant. It was recorded in two weeks in 2002 at London's Toe Rag Studios. Two weeks to make one of the best albums in the 2000s. Yeah, Jack and Meg are pretty talented. Jack produced the album with antiques. He didn't use up-to-date equipment. He used the eight-track tape machine and pre-1960s recording gear. He didn't even use a computer. He said, nah, we're not doing that. None of the equipment, anything that they used for this album was newer than 1963. 40 years old, or almost 40 if they made it in 2002. Almost 40 years old. He's like, no, doesn't matter. We're going to use this stuff. It's classified as garage rock, blues rock, and punk blues. Said that before, but that's the technical terms that they called it. The ideas featured in the songs were about the death of a sweetheart. So if something were to happen to your loved one, things like that. I know that sounds morbid and dreary, but they didn't come off that way. Really didn't. The reception of the album Elephant, Metacritic gave it 92 out of 100. Only eight points shy of a perfect score. Rolling Stone magazine, Uncut, and All Music gave it five stars. And so did Los Angeles Times. During this album, when it came out, they played two shows with the Rolling Stones and played at the sold-out Radio City Music Awards. Phew. Elephant was also included in the book 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. With all that kind of reception, acclaim, Man, I was so glad I listened to this. I didn't know all that stuff when I was listening. I always listen to the album, then do the research afterwards. And man, 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 such a great album. And we're about to get to it next, right after one more word from a sponsor. Then we're going to get to these songs. Crazy awesome music from Jack and Meg White. As a business owner, one of the issues you have to be aware of is injury and liability to your staff. An injury can lead to open shifts because an employee is unable to work, a possible lawsuit, and other grievances at the workplace. SureStep Illinois is a woman-owned small business based out of Tonica that is here to help eliminate those injuries and liabilities, which are the number one workman's compensation claim in America. SureStep Illinois is a non-slip treatment that will not change the look, texture, or appearance of the tile it's placed on whether it's residential, business, indoor, or outdoor applications. The non-slipness has been independently tested in labs as SureStep has achieved the highest dynamic coefficient of friction in the industry. Competitors are slipping to catch up. There's absolutely no business downtime as the tile or floor SureStep is applied to can be worked on, stepped on, jumped on, or danced on two step right after the treatment is applied. SureStep by Illinois also offers strip waxing non-slip coatings for a little extra stick with some texture and look changes to the applied surface. Contact Mary Jane Orozco at 815-488-6565 to get SureStep Illinois today. Elephant by White Stripes. We'll go through the track list, then we'll go back and give you the rankings of each song from me, myself, your host, Brandon LaChance. The very first song, Seven Nation Army, the most notable riff drum line since it came out. 
Like, you know this song. Even if you didn't even know it was the White Stripes, as soon as you hear, dum, 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 like, you know that song. You know it's them. And it sounds like a whole band. So many people. Person doing this, person doing that. It's two people. Two people made this song. I love the melody, love the music, and I didn't even really care about the lyrics. It gets you pumped up. This is a workout song. This is a let's drive real fast song in a race. Like whatever you're doing that you need to be amped up, this is that song that will help you do that. Number two, Black Math. You can hear the 1960s equipment. It is very, very audible that it's old equipment that gives you that sound. Like you know what I'm talking about if you listen to like an old Elvis Presley album or a Johnny Cash album from the early days. You hear that in there. And it was kind of cool. Like, I, I kind of liked it. it. It was a different sound. It wasn't perfect. It didn't have to be, like, sculpted by Plato, you know, something like that. Like, painting by Picasso. No, it was two people that love something different, doing it differently, and presenting it. And that was what's really cool about this album and that kind of sound. Had to write this down because I thought this... I mean, this is the song, right? This is the bridge. Mathematically turning the page, unequivocally showing, figuring my age. I'm practically center stage. Undeniably, it out earning your wage. Well, maybe I'll put my love on ice. The rest of that song goes along that theme and it is the concept of the album, The Death of a Sweetheart. Song number three, There's No Home For You Here. I love how it speeds up, then slows down, speeds up, and it lets you feel the emotion or the lack thereof. It's a relationship song, like the end of it. Like, hey, we're done. Here's another line. I had to write this one down too. I've not been really looking forward to the performance, but there's my cue and there's a question on your face. Fortunately, I have come across an answer, which is go away and do not leave a trace. Eeh, eeh, powerful words in a song called There's No Home For You Here Anymore. I think that's the exit cue. Song number four. I just don't know what to do with myself. It's like, what do you do at the end of a relationship? Jack is asking himself. It also goes slow to fast. And he's like, oh, I just don't know. He says something about it's like a rose and rose in a summer day. You know, it's bright, it's sunny, you're growing. And then all of a sudden it starts raining and, you know, your whole life is different. Well, that's kind of how you feel in a relationship when it ends. Song number five, In the Cold, Cold Night. This was Meg White on the vocals. You do not hear Jack White at all. You have that growl of the guitar in the back of her saying. It's not even like a melody or whatever. It's just a... And it's kind of cool. Like it doesn't sound probably as intimidating as I just sounded. Or my growl is bear-like. I don't know if it's bear-like. But probably didn't sound like that harsh. It's just like a real cool... In the background. And it worked out really well with the drum sample, which I'm guessing was Jack, added in the back. And you can hear the amp and the old equipment with the little crackles and that stuff as well. It's slow, it's methodical with the attraction slash lust undertones in the vocals. Track six, I want to be the boy to warm your mother's heart. That is a very long song title, but the song was cool. Piano was awesome. Started singing like he was Billy Joel or Elton John in the very beginning of the song. Had the piano riff and then the singing. It literally felt like Billy Joel or Elton John. But it's about in-laws, family, that constant struggle of you trying to intermingle with them, them not wanting to or them wanting to, but maybe the other partner's family doesn't like you, but your family likes the partner. Like that stuff happens too all the time and it's kind of awful. Well, that's what this song is about. Track seven, you've got her in your pocket. It's love, it's sad, it's depressing. There's hope, you want her to be there, but you know she's not coming back. You wishing the initial part of that relationship was still there. The happiness, the getting to know each other stage. That's what that's about. Eight, Ball and Biscuit. This is straight blues. A guitar solo is like in the middle of it. That is crazy amazing. And it's about let's having a good time. I honestly listened to this like four times yesterday, driving home from a game and was just jamming. <laughs> it, was, it was nice. I was just jamming. Track nine, the hardest button to button. It's got a very long, enticing intro, but then it just kind of falls flat for me. We're just like, eh, it's okay, okay, what are we gonna get? What are we gonna get? And then kind of bottomed out. But it's about the pains of life and how to get through those times. 
Number 10, Little Acorns. I thought this was a cool concept. They had a narrator telling a story about squirrels carrying acorns. And if somebody can take one of the problems at a time, like squirrels can take an acorn at a time, then they would be okay in life. Just be just fine. And then the guitar hits, then Jack starts singing, and it all wraps into this pretty cool song comparing our life's problems as a squirrel moving acorns. Number 11, Hypnotize. This is 1960s, 70s rock. Hypnotizing a girl into love, falling in love, you know, doing those things in the beginning where you're, you know, trying to make yourself seem cooler than you are or, you know, you know how that goes. That's kind of what this is about. 12, the air near my fingers. This is blues, rock, not wanting to grow up, nervous what the mom thinks. It's kind of like a mom-son song. But he knows he's messing up and wants his mom, family to be proud, and he might just not be doing that. Track 13, Girl, You Have No Faith in Medicine. The tambourine in this is crazy. It's from start to finish. Non-stop. Non-absolutely stop. And it's a Rolling Stones vibe. He sounds like Mick Jagger in this. And you can tell that they were going to tour together, and I'm sure they did this song. 14, the last track. Well, it's true that we love another. They're both in this, Meg and Jack, which was kind of cool. They did like a duo, and it really sounds like an old country song. Sounds like, you know, uh, one of those songs you're clapping your hand on your knee and doing a little head nod, you know, with the wheat in your mouth, and that's kind of what it felt like. Well, the duo saying they love each other, but Meg says like a little brother, and that they love each other like friends, but then there's the back and forth banter in like the old school way of like flirting but not flirting, trying to make sure nobody knows that you're together. Just like they did their entire career saying that they were brother and sister. So it makes sense that they would put this on the album. Kind of like an overshadowing, hey, I want to tell you something, but I'm not telling you. All right, so let's go through. We'll start 14, work our way up. 14, the hardest button to button, just not my thing. After that long intro, just couldn't get into it. 13, in the cold, cold night. The, the growl of the guitar was cool, but just the meaning of the song I, just, just wasn't my thing as well. You know, you'll have that sometime. Just not every song can be your thing. 12, Ball and Biscuit. Even though I jammed out to it like three times today, I mean, there's so many good songs on this album that I put it at 12. 11, well, it's true that we love one another. I think it was cool having the duo and the meaning behind it, knowing that they were in a relationship or in what was going on between them, saying that they love each other like a brother and their friends, letting the whole world, like you are a world famous band at this point, and the world thinks that you are not together and your brother and sister. Well, that's kind of cool. You, you know, you're making them think things. 11, hypnotize. I just like that 60s, 70s rock feel. It was a cool song and they jammed out. Number nine, Girl, You Have No Faith in Medicine. Again, the Rolling Stones vibe. I really didn't care about the meaning of the song. Medicine, aka drugs, and you don't have any faith in them. Yeah, that really wasn't my thing. But the tambourine was cool. I liked the music behind it. Eight, Black Math. Thought it was a cool way for a number two song. Usually number two is like okay, but it's like a middle of the album song. Like, it's never, like, the best song. It's never the worst song. It's, like, an okay track to keep people moving. And that's what I felt this one was. Seven, the air near my fingers. I just like the blues and the rock. It did them both. It was, like, the sassy, raspy blues to the strumming and the amp going nuts. And you're just rocking out in a garage. There's a hint to the garage blues rock thing. But... That's what that song was, and it was pretty cool. Six, you got her in your pocket. I liked it because you're, you know, when you're in love, you know, it can be sad, it can be depressing, and you want them there, and then all of a sudden they're not, and you're like, man, what would have happened if I changed the way I did this or said this? And that's what that song is, and we can all relate to that. Five, I just don't know what to do with myself. When something happens and you don't really know and you have to ask yourself, like, that's pretty cool, and I do it all the time. So I could relate. It was cool. You put it on an album where people know something's happened. Hmm. Four, Little Acorns. Like I said, I really like the concept of the narrator telling the story. Then Jack White going to a song about the story. It all wraps up into a pretty awesome package. Three, I want 
to be the boy to warm your mother's heart. I thought that song was unique in terms of not people really talking about the in-laws and your mom liking her, but her mom doesn't like you. Never really heard a song like that. And the way he did it with the Billy Joel-like singing and the piano, I love piano. And just the way it all meshed together, it was pretty cool. Number two, There's No Home For You Here. I almost made this number one. I really, really love this song. Relate to a lot if you've been through a relationship and you're just like, hey, I'm fed up, I'm done. You're done with me. Like, let's just go. Kind of happens. Number one, it has to be Seven Nation Army. It has to. It has to. It's got one of the most memorable riffs of like a newer band. I know we're in 2022 and they stopped making music in 2007. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that in the 2000s, since the 2000s, is one of the most memorable riffs of all time. And it's great. It's absolutely great. Well, what is also great is the things that Tom McGonagall and Jeff Parsons have going on. We got to get to them. This is a pretty long intro. Had to talk some sports. Had to talk some music. Now it's time to let them talk. Until next time, peace. Was just talking to my guest about hat racks. And one of them is going to have to get another. Maybe a third. I, of course, am talking about Tom McGonagall. And we have Jeff Parsons with us. Tom McGonagall is going to Anwan Weathersfield to take over as athletic director, boys basketball coach, and teaching health and PE. That's a lot of hats, my friend. Well, you know, uh, Brandon, you know me a long time. I, I don't uh, don't shy away from the responsibility and keeping myself busy, and this is uh, definitely going to do it at, a, at just an absolutely great place out here at Weathersfield. It's, uh, it's been one week since I've been hired. I've met uh, so many, so many great people. Everybody I've, I've come in contact with here, uh, especially Jeff, um, have been so gracious and, and kind and welcoming. Um, it's uh, I feel like I graduated from Weathersfield. It's just a great place right now. Awesome. And I mean, must might as well get to this right now. I mean, you did graduate from St. Bede. You were at St. Bede for, I believe, 28 years. Many different hats there as well. You guys parted ways. And then now, maybe a month or two later, you're at N1 Weathersfield. I mean, a quick transition, but landed yourself a home. Yeah, no, it, it, there's no doubt it feels like home. Um, it's uh, you know it's it feels like forever uh, to to get to this point, um, and it feels like it's been forever since uh, the board hired me. But uh, again, just just everybody has been so welcoming and open arms and things like um, just just bringing you in and, and making you feel apart. Jeff has certainly paved a uh, paved a great way that I'm gonna have to try to emulate and follow. And uh, I, I certainly look to try to fill those shoes as best I can. Um, everybody speaks so highly about Jeff out here. Um, it, it's not going to be easy, but again, I love the challenge, and I, I think it's going to be a great fit. Almost three decades at St. Bede, and of course, he went to school there, was part of the 1988 state baseball team. Don't worry, that podcast is still coming, Tom. It's still coming. <laughs> I might be a, a recurring guest on here way too often, Brandon. I know, no, not often enough is the way I look at it. Well, space made for podcasts, that's all right. <laughs> Perfect. But like I said, long time, you know, everything at St. Bede. It's got to be, you know, painful at the same time, but great to, you know, kind of move on and follow somebody that had the same tenure that you did at St. Bede at another school. It's exciting, you know, jumping over to the boys' basketball scene and, you know, filling into something that I that I absolutely love um, with, with being athletic director and, and working with all the, the athletes here and just getting a chance to, to meet the boys' players and, and being around school and, and meeting some of the athletes and, and some of the students that have just been walking around. Uh, and then a new challenge of being in the classroom and uh, taking over freshman health. It's uh, it's going to be a nice thing to, to be able to meet those kids. Their first day of high school will be my first day of high school out here, which is uh, – which is something weird to think about, but um, excited about it, excited about the challenge again and, and uh, what all it could bring and just kind of continue to, you know, to fill up my plate and, and, uh, and keep my head going. So um, it's it's exciting. It's, it's a really exciting time for me right now. I mean, change for Americans, for our society in general is kind of difficult at times. You're going through a lot of change all at the same time. How are you dealing and adapting and, you know, in your brain like hey i gotta do this i gotta do that and maneuvering everything you know it, it was a couple months ago where where i just kind of came to the mindset that um you got to do this um change is the one thing i think in the world that's constant and uh and you've got to be ready for it it's one of the things i address to the boys you don't um always expect to to end up in the places that uh, that you've gotten but um 
it gets to take you to the places where you're going to go. It's exciting. Um, it, it's new. If it, uh, I've, I've always lived by the adage that if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Maybe it was just time for some change and, and time for some growth and something different. You talk about landing in a, in a comfortable spot. Um, I, I felt nothing but comfortable from the moment I came out here and interviewed and, and met uh, Mr. Kazabowski, the superintendent, and Mrs. Griffith, the principal, and the coaches that were there and the board members that uh, that interviewed me. Um, and just going through that entire process has just felt uh, felt absolutely incredible to me. You know, as a, as a as a coach and, and even just as a as a person, um, you know when something feels right. And uh, this is this has felt right from the get go. It's just been affirmed in the past seven days uh, since I've been announced, and I absolutely know I'm I'm sitting in the right place here at the uh, sectional track meet at, uh, at my new high school, taking over for for a great guy who's been uh, gracious and welcoming and giving me the best foot to start off on um, in going forward with this uh, this new adventure for me. Definitely. No, you've been an athletic director before. Always did a great job. You've been a girls basketball coach for as long as I've known you. Have you ever coached boys ball before? You know, junior high and one year freshman level. But uh, I've talked to a couple of other coaches and, you know, basketball is basketball. I've always felt that uh, things that I've run for the past uh, Two decades and a half um, have been uh, have been translatable to to the boys' side. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be exciting, and I think it's going to definitely fit the athleticism that I that I've seen so far um, on the boys that that are here at Weathersfield. Um, and I think it's just going to be a lot of fun for our fans, for our fan base, for the community of, of Weathersfield, uh, for Goose Island, I guess, as, uh, as it's called out here. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be great, and uh, we'll get to do that in June, and they'll get to learn about me I'll, I'll definitely get to learn about them and, uh, and we're going to go from there once november starts um we'll get to see exactly what we're going to be able to accomplish and uh it's definitely going to be exciting we're definitely gonna make some noise you're gonna be wearing blue instead of green that's gonna be well, weird for me <laughs> it's uh it's, it's green for weathersfield which is which is nice and the the co-op gets to blue with anawan weathersfield is you know uh, wear that during football season and track season now baseball and softball season but uh but the, the kelly green just a little lighter shade but uh, it, it looks good on me though so i will uh i'll take over that for the basketball season it'll be it'll be all right and for the people that do not know the listeners Weathersfield from Kiwani, it's green, co-op with Anawan, then become Anawan Weathersfield, and they're blue, Weathersfield just green. It's, it's still going to be weird seeing you in blue. Another shade of green, you know, that's, you know, whatever. Green's green, but the blue's going to be weird. We're coaching boys instead of girls, but, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll adapt to all that just like uh, just like everything else. Just roll with the punches and go with it. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's exciting. The Lincoln Trail Conference, the Prairie Land Conference for football that we get to get involved with. It's uh, it's just a great situation, great environment, great competition, um, and it's going to make uh, – it's just going to make Friday nights a, a whole bunch of fun, and, and I think uh, the entire tenure out here is just going to be a whole bunch of fun. Get, uh, get an opportunity to meet some great new people and – it's exciting. It's people that are passionate about sports just like me, so you just fit right into it. Well, I'll let you go. I'll let you, you know, maneuver your new hat racks and where you got to put them to put all your hats Yeah, in. I'm, looking, I'm looking for a drill and a maintenance guy to help me out here. I don't want, I don't want to make sure I don't hit a, hit a gas line or a water line. Make sure I hit a stud. <laughs> exactly. As always, you know you're always welcome on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Tom McGonagall. I appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you very much, man. See you down the road. Yes, we'll see you soon. Let's talk to Jeff Parsons. All right, buddy. I'm here. Jeff, a lot of new things going on for you. Hey, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're excited. You know, we were super excited when we got the resume from Tom, and I knew it was going to be a slam dunk as soon as he applied. And you know, we got a Hall of Fame coach and, and a great guy, and he's he's going to be a great teacher and a great AD and a great basketball coach. We're uh, you know we're not worried about the girls versus boys thing. I mean, you know, his teams play hard. They're well coached, and that just that goes across to every avenue. Boys, girls, it doesn't matter. So uh, yeah, we're thoroughly excited, buddy. You and I know each other. You've never been a guest on Edge of Your Seat podcast before, so thanks for coming to the show, first of all. Hey, I appreciate it. I think you interviewed my son, who was moving up the chain pretty quickly in college uh, yeah, baseball and uh, basketball and things like that. So he's uh, actually in Newman uh, tomorrow for the regional final baseball, so that's kind of going to be fun. I wish I could go to it, but we're actually in the regional final ourselves. So 
uh, we play Henry tomorrow, the Anwan Weathersfield boys do for uh, the baseball championship. Our girls are playing tonight, and uh, Prince Bill for the softball championship, and Tom and I are here for the boys sectional. So it's a, and our girls are at state in Charleston. Did really well yesterday. So it's a great day to be a goose titan, no doubt. I like that a goose titan. It's not the fighting geese. It's not the titan. <laughs> goose titan. Well, flying geese seems to be a little redundant. We know geese fly, so, you know. So, I, I kind of dropped the flying when I came here. I don't know if that was legal or not, but, you know, it seemed kind of redundant to me, so. Because, obviously, they're a bird that flies, so I have it. Absolutely. <laughs> I like no it. No doubt. So, let's get a little background for, of you for the listeners that might not know. You've been at Weathersfield for quite some time. Yeah, we, uh, this is, this summer will be my 20th year, be my 30th year in education, and, you know, I was at Roseville for a while, and, uh, Camp Point Central, where I started my career, and, but when I first came here, you know, I was gonna spend three or four years, and I was gonna move my way up, and end up being a college coach by the time I was 40, and I just fell in love with this place, and never left, and, uh, you know, it was a very tough decision to leave, and, you know, I, uh, Fulton came calling, and, uh, they just sent me an offer I couldn't refuse, and it's bittersweet, because today was my last day with the kids and uh you know i'll be in the all next week but actually getting out of the classroom so that was my last day as a teacher today so that was I, i've been too busy to be sentimental so but it's uh, you know it's, it's gonna be a good change and and i hate to keep repeating myself but it makes me feel so much better i know i can go to fulton with a clear mind because we fired such a great man to, to to take over here in our athletic program to lead us into the future Gotcha. Was there any complications with the hire because of how, you know, the disconnect between McGonagall and St. Beat? Absolutely not. You know, I mean, things happen and, you know, uh, his record speaks for itself. It's pretty simple. So we did a lot of, uh, you know, calling and background checks and everything. And, and I, we didn't find, I bet we talked to 30 people. We didn't find one person to say anything bad about Tom. And, and uh, you know, I talked to our IBCA head. Tom's big into the IBCA and, and uh, Jim Tracy. And he spoke very highly of Tom and I knew him through the IBCA. And I mean, it was, as soon as I saw the resume, buddy, I knew, I knew what we were getting. So I told him I didn't want to replace hire my own replacement but I uh, basically just uh, you know got the interviews together and I let the, the teacher committee the admin committee and the the, uh, the board committee to decide and they made a great decision in Tom. So you got a softball team playing for a regional championship a baseball team playing for a regional championship you got boys in track sectional you got a new job in Fulton you got a guy that you're comfortable with replacing you at Anwan Weathersfield as the athletic director, boys basketball coach at Weathersfield, and your son is continuously moving up the rankings as a IHSA referee, umpire. So it sounds like everything is good in your world. It is. It's really good. My daughter had a, a, a baby boy about 15 months ago, so I became a grand, granddad, and that was probably the greatest gift ever. You know, you, it helps put life into perspective a little bit. But, you know, yeah, this is my 20th year at Weathersfield, and I'm, you know, super, super excited for Tom. It was it was bittersweet to be able to, you know, to leave and things. But, you know, I've had my admin since 05, and I thought, well, you know, why have it if I'm not going to use it? And, you know, I, I think some of my family, you know, they can't believe I'm not coaching. And I said, well, I, I may retire three or four years and get back into coaching you know and uh, maybe I'll come back down and help Tom as a volunteer or something you know I don't know something will open up my daughter's coaching at Mammoth Roseville she may want me to help her and things like that but yeah we've had a great run here and uh, you know it's a great place to be and as Tom's seen over the last week and uh, you know it's uh, a great place to be you know the co-op's a great marriage you hear a lot of horror stories about co-ops and things in their existence, but us and Anawan are very, very good. And, you know, we, we're still Weathersfield for boys basketball, girls basketball, and volleyball, and we have a lot of success in those. In fact, uh, you know, with track, I mentioned our girls are at state, and we've got Kennedy Anderson, who's got the second fastest time in the 800 in, the, in 1A and the second fastest mile time in 1A, and so she's going to compete for a gold medal tomorrow down at Charleston, and uh, a lot of great things going on. I mean, it's uh, our seventh grade boys just won the state track championship and I mean it just it's, it's so it's so good and so great and some of my assistants are going to stay and help Tom out to ease the the, uh, the transition with the kids and everything so you know uh, and I did a lot of research with Fulton 
as well. You know, it's a great place up there, and I, I called it Weathersfield North. You know, Weathersfield's been such a great place, and I've known a lot of their coaches and admins up there, and they, they want me to come up there and be the assistant principal, and I'm going to do that. So I'm excited for my venture. I'm even more excited to come back and watch Dom's teams play because they play so hard and play disciplined, and, you know, it happens. When you're in a place as long as Tom and I are, you're going to you're gonna make some people mad from time to time, but if you're not, you're not doing your job because it's not all roses. You have to you have to hold people accountable if they're not doing what you want. And sometimes that rubs people the wrong way, and it's just the way it is. And you know, and that's what I tell our players. And you know, you, you, you have to be held accountable. And this is our standard. And you know, what happens if you don't? You have a boss someday you don't like, and you got to deal with that. You know, uh, you got to bring that money home to your family. So it's it's more of life lessons than it is. You know, just dealing with with other things, but yeah, it's uh, it's a great place to be, and uh, I'm gonna miss it dearly. But yeah, looking forward to my next venture, no question. Well, I'm excited for you. You know, I'll be following, seeing what you're doing. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast and chatting with us. Hey, absolutely, I appreciate it. So I appreciate all your help and communication through the years and things. So I know we'll stay in touch. So actually, I think. Fulton's actually closer to you guys than Kiwani is, so <laughs> you may see me more than you think you can. <laughs> <laughs> probably, but it's probably right. true. I, got, I know you got to go, so I, we won't keep it, but always always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely.